Generations Church Podcast. We're going to tie some Jesus into Charlie Brown Christmas. We're going to keep the Christ in Christmas. Amen. Well, but uh, that first clip starts with Charlie Brown telling Lucy, he says, I feel depressed. I don't know why I should be happy, but I feel depressed. And I- I'm sure there are times in our lives where we can probably say that we felt that way. Maybe, maybe we're just in a funk. Maybe there's something weird going on with our kids or our marriage, and we're just like, I'm just in, a, I'm just in this weird rut right now. I don't know what it is. Or maybe you can absolutely pinpoint something that's going on in your life. And it's just, it's bigger than you and you don't know what to do and it's kind of taking control. And you know, we wanna talk about getting rid of the Christmas blues. Like how do we do that? Not just the Christmas blues, we're just saying Christmas because it's Charlie Brown Christmas. But how do we, how do we make sure that we don't get stuck in that same place that Charlie Brown is where I just feel weird. I'm just in this, I don't know why, I can't get out of it, but something's going on. Right, because the truth is, none of us wants to feel that way. None of us likes being that way. And um, man, we want to be like Buddy the Elf, singing loud. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. That's what we want. We want to spread Christmas cheer, but a lot of times we're like Elvis and singing. It's like in our snuggie, drinking our coffee, but like, oh, have a blue Christmas. We're just so sad because no one likes us. Right? We don't want to be like that. We want to be happy. And now. Let me tell you this, before, before I jump into this, let me tell you this, there is nothing wrong with emotion. I believe God uses emotion. This isn't a message about how we all need to be happy and nothing ever needs to be wrong because this is not that church, okay? And I don't believe the Bible talks about that at all. It talks about there's a season to mourn, there's a season to laugh, there are seasons for everything. And so there is absolutely a season to be sad. There is a season for things like that, but the truth is there's times where we can let our emotions trump truth and we can let our emotions kick our head to the curb and our heart hops in the driver's seat and like, I'm out of here, I'm doing my own thing, right? And it can take us off a path that leads us to God. God uses emotions. If we were to have a scale of like one to 10, one being Spock, where you have no emotions, you're all logic, no laughter, all seriousness, and the 10 is like you cry at the like dog pound commercials, like I'd probably fall closer to the crying at the dog pound commercials. Like I'm an emotional person, I get it. And there are times, I guarantee it, and that I can think back, not too far, uh, too far ago, too long ago, where I have let my emotions kind of run my life and I've gotten away from the place God wants me to be. And happiness is something I think that we all strive for. Happiness is something that, that we want, but that shouldn't be our ultimate goal because happiness is determined by what happens to us. It's circumstantial. It's based on emotions and feelings. And if you've been around anyone for any length of time, toddlers, teens, husbands, wives, anybody, you know that emotions can change at the drop of a hat, right? You have a kid and they're all happy, yay, it's like, hey, we don't have chicken nugs today. Oh, my world is crumbling, like, it's the worst thing in the world, it ruins the rest of their week. I can't have chicken nuggets, like, it's ridiculous. You stub your toe, and it's like, my day's ruined, I'm, I might as well go back to bed, like, I, it's, it's over. Emotions can change at the drop of a hat, and happiness is something that I think that we all should strive for, it's awesome, but the ultimate goal should be joy. Our ultimate goal should be joy. And the reason is, is that joy is untouchable. Joy is untouchable. Joy isn't ruled by emotions. It's not dictated by circumstances, but it's untouchable. We're gonna 
read a verse out of Nehemiah chapter 8. And before we do, I want to kind of give you some backstory on Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an Israelite, and he was working for a foreign king. He was taken out of his country, he was exiled, taken out of his country, and he's working for a foreign king. And he gets word from his brother, from a friend, um, and he's asking him what's going on at home. He's like, hey, how's, how's John doing back there? Is he still hanging out? Is he doing good? He's like, no, everything's a mess. Everything back home is a mess. The city's in ruins, the people are devastated, the town is destroyed, the gates are on fire, they burn the gates, they tore down the walls of the city. It's not in a good place. And this messes with Nehemiah. This like tears him up inside. He is distraught. It says he mourned for days, and when he goes back to work before the king, the king sees something wrong, his face, he's like, are you sick? Stay away from me, what's going on with you? Are you contagious? And Nehemiah's like, no. He tells him the whole story. He tells him about how his town's destroyed, how his town's ruined, how everything's messed up. And he takes it a step further, and he asks the king if he can go back home and start working on the walls. And so the king grants his request. And so Nehemiah heads back and starts rebuilding the walls of the city, gets people together to help him in this project. And all throughout this project, people are trying to oppose him, trying to sabotage him, trying to keep him from building the walls. And Nehemiah, after 52 days, completes the project. Now you hear that, and you're like, 52 days, that's cool. Uh, can you think about street construction? Like, let's take that in for a minute here. If you've ever driven around Tulsa or Oklahoma, how long they work on roads. It's like they never finish. And this dude finished building the walls in 52 days. Like, we need to find out who that general contractor was and bring them back from the dead. And like, we got some road projects that we need you to work on. Can you knock that out? Because it's ridiculous. Like, he finished it in 52 days. And so at the end, when he's finished with it, he's standing before the people. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, he says this. Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. How do we make the joy of the Lord our strength? Is anyone familiar with the famous poet Kirk Franklin? Anyone? Famous philosopher Kirk Franklin? In one of his uh, well-known songs, um, he didn't sing, by the way. He was just a hype man. He just yelled the whole time. But he yells, and he goes, uh, he goes, you can't take my joy, devil, is what he says. And, and I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, he's on to something. Like, the devil can't take our joy. But what we can do is we can put ourselves in a position to leave the joy of the Lord. We can put ourselves in a position to leave the joy of the Lord. And finding our strength like that verse says, finding our strength in the joy of the Lord doesn't take you out of the storm, but it covers you in the midst of it. Finding your strength in the joy of the Lord doesn't take you out of a storm, but it covers you in the midst of it. Much like my house, the roof of my house doesn't have some magical powers that divert storms around my home, but it keeps me protected and keeps me dry in the midst of the storm. And the joy of the Lord, man, when you're going through stuff, it doesn't say, oh, you're exempt from having anything bad happen to you. You're exempt from being in a weird place. You're exempt from that. But what it does is it keeps you grounded in the truth of who God is and his protection. It protects you in the midst of the storm. Like I said earlier, joy is not ruled by emotions. Joy is untouchable because we, we serve a God who's already won the battle. There's no question mark at the end of that. God knows how the story is gonna end. And so the joy is not ruled by emotions. And when we realize that, no matter what happens to us, we can find our strength to keep going, to push on. Even in the midst of dark times, we can find our strength in the joy of the Lord. So how do we do that? Man, how do we, okay, Michael, that's great, but how do we 
how do we stay grounded in the joy of the Lord? How do we find that our strength? How do we do that? I mean, we could be here all day, we could talk about it all week, we can have conversations about it, but the easiest thing that I say, and my always, my thing is to go back to Jesus. How did Jesus live his life? What can we do to look at the life of Christ and say, how do I stay grounded in the joy of the Lord? And so there's a couple things that I'm just gonna talk about today. Like I said, we could be here for a long time, and I know you guys are like, I've got reservations at Cracker Barrel, but um, I didn't know Cracker Barrel takes reservations, but whatever. Uh, but how do we do that? How do we stay grounded? How do we stay protected? How do we find our strength in the joy of the Lord? And I'd say the first thing that Lucy told Charlie Brown is you need involvement. You need involvement. Involvement in what? Involvement in what? And the first thing I'd say, if we're gonna be involved, we've gotta get off the island. We've got to get off the island. And in Foundations Church language, if you wanna be familiar with it, we wanna keep pushing our values and keep, keep them so you guys know what's going on, is I would say that we are better together. Get off your island. We are better together. If we're gonna stay grounded, if we're gonna find our strength in the joy of the Lord, you need to be involved in genuine community. Man, the easy thing to do is to come in here, to get your coffee, to sing some songs, to hear, hear a message, and then leave. That's the easy thing to do. Now, you're like, I have a three and a five-year-old. It is not easy for me to get here. Like, I'm, please don't throw anything at me. I'm not saying physically easy, okay? I have no experience in that. No experience in wanting, like, trying to feed a child Cheerios and like, I don't want Cheerios, I want Captain Crunch. Like, I have no experience in that whatsoever. So it may not be that physically easy, but spiritually easy is, uh, spiritually, it's the easy thing for us to do because it takes no work on our part. We come in here, we hear a song someone else is singing, we hear a message someone else is prepared, and then we're able to go. Someone opens the door for you, someone, as you leave and as you come, someone makes the coffee for you. It's easy for us to do. But the right thing to do it's yes, to do all those things. Come here on Sunday morning, but outside of that, get involved in a genuine Christ-honoring community. That takes work on our part. That takes work for us to go meet with somebody, to call somebody when we're struggling, to call somebody for encouragement. That takes work on our part. And it's what we need to do. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says this. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Some people read that and like, I'm not neglecting that. I'm there. I'm in church every day. But how well do you do when it comes to motivating others to good works? I mean, the truth is you can't do that if you're isolating yourself. How well do you do at encouraging one another? You can't do that if you're isolating yourself. Like we can't live on an island alone, it's not healthy for us. It's not healthy for us to be on that island by ourselves when we are meant for relationships. Has anyone seen any good movies recently? Anyone? No one's seen a good movie? Okay, you can go to church and go see movies, guys, I promise you, you're not going to hell. There was no, you sign like membership boxes like I will not go have fun, I will not go to movies, I, I will sit at home and watch Daystar TV the whole time. Like you can go to movies, it's okay, I promise you. What's a good movie someone's seen recently? Coming to America, 19, what was that, 1988? <laughs> Saw that one on TBS last night, didn't you, Dennis? It's <laughs> a replay. Um, but I, I love movies. I'm not like a movie snob. Some people are like, I love the way the soundtrack added up to this. I'm like, I just like the movie. I don't know about all that business. Whatever, but uh, one movie that I've seen once, and so I'm obviously an expert on, is uh, Castaway, right? Castaway with Tom Hanks, guy that played big. He was in, what was, that, what was he in? What was the TV show he was in way back when? 
Bosom Buddies, you're old. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say that. Um, he's a great actor, but in that movie, he's on an island by himself. And what does he do? He befriends what? A person? No, he befriends a, a, a volleyball, right? Wilson. If I were to tell you that my favorite, my best friend was a piece of sports equipment, you'd be like, Justin, we need to talk about this youth ministry director. Um, something's wrong with him. Like, it's not healthy. We weren't meant to be on an island by ourselves. We weren't meant to live life alone. We were meant to be in a relationship with other people. Even after God created Adam, he looked at him, he's like, man, that's great. And I think the more God thought about it, he was like, he can't be alone. Like, this is not gonna work out. Like, guys, if you've ever been by yourself, that's when we come up with the stupidest ideas, the dumbest things, you're like, how fast can I get food warm from the refrigerator to my mouth? And they're like, microwave, no, that's, wet. that's not nearly as fun. I think if I got a blowtorch and like heat it up, and it's, you come up with these stupid ideas, you have no one else to like help you realize that's a terrible idea, right? We, we, we're not meant to be lived, or our lives aren't meant to be lived alone. They're not meant to be lived on an island. We need people there to help us. Some of you guys are like, well, I'm just too busy. Just too busy. I've got this going on. I started a business. I've got all these clients I gotta meet with. And can I stop and just tell us that you're gonna make time for the things that you want to make time for. The things that you find important, you will find time to do them. And if you don't value being in community with other people and you don't value genuine relationships and you don't value people encouraging you and supporting you and lifting you up, then you're not gonna find time for that. I see it, I see it a lot in youth ministry where I'll, I'll talk to people and they're like, oh, I can't make it. I've got, I've got to practice for, for band or softball. I don't know, like, I don't know if it's just times have changed or what, but like growing up, I didn't have, church, I didn't have uh, a choice when it came to going to church. It wasn't like, I've got basketball practice, and it's like, uh, too bad. You know, it was like one of those things. Like, I remember a friend of mine, we were um, hanging out, and his mom wrote the coach a letter. Um, my dad would not write the coach a letter. He's like, you're just going to do it, and you'll, if you have to run, you have to run. Big deal. Like, no big deal, whatever. But my friend's mom wrote him, she's like, hey, we can't, he can't make it to uh, practice. He's got, like, youth convention. And I remember... I don't think the coach meant for me to hear it, but he was like, what is this? I can't believe he's not going to practice. He's going to youth convention. And it's like, we don't have, we didn't have a choice, but now it's just like, whatever you want to do, like, if you don't want to go to church, it's not a big deal. If you don't want to, um, you know, if you don't want to do something, you don't have to. But, man, the students are following your, your lead, parents. Kids are following your lead. And if you want them to be, have, a, have um, relationships, if you want them to, to go to church where they experience Jesus in their level, if you want them to come on a Wednesday night, they're following your lead. And so if you're not making it a priority, they're not gonna make it a priority. Man, we all find time to make time for what's important to us. And for us that are saying, man, I'm just too busy. I'm just, I've got too many important things to do. I just can't carve out time. Galatians chapter six, verses one through three says this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. How can we do that if we're not in a relationship with people? How can we have that done for us if we're not in a relationship with people? Man, if I wasn't in a connect group, if I didn't have real meaningful relationships with friends, how could they see when I started messing up and needing some course correction and be put back on a path that points to God? It wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. It goes on to say, um, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation. Share each other's burdens. And this way, obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. In this way, obey the law of Christ. Again, how can that happen? 
when you're struggling, when you're going through something, how can you share your burdens with someone else if you're not in community? Well, Michael, how does this tie the joy of the Lord? How does, that, how does that work out? Well, like I said, a lot of times stuff will happen to us. Jesus said that in this world you will have problems, okay? There's no, there's no promise of a carefree, easy life. In this world you will have problems. A lot of times when those problems come, we think we can handle on our own. We make poor decisions because we think we've got it. The Bible says, hey, you need to be surrounded with people so you can share each other's burdens. Sharing each other's burdens keeps us grounded and keeps us finding our strength and the joy of the Lord because we have other people to remind us of who God is when we're overcome with emotions and we can't think right. We're so focused on the problem that we don't see the truth of who God is. I love how Paul finishes this verse. He says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. I love it. There's verses like little passages, little snippets like that in the Bible. There's a verse in Psalms that says, slap my enemies in the face. I don't know if it was written like that, but that's how I read it. And I'm like, yes, amen. Prayed that over my life, just slap them in the face. This one, hey, you're not that important. You are not exempt from being in relationship with people. That is not, you're not excluded from that. I love that even Jesus, the one guy that came to the earth, son of God, could have exempted himself from that rule. Like, let's think about it here. It's like, yeah, Jesus, can we give Jesus a pass on this one? Like, if he wanted to, can we be like, yeah, I can agree that if Jesus didn't want to be, like, he had every right, he was the son of God. But guess what? He didn't live that way. I love how it called, I love what it calls him in Matthew chapter one. I love how it refers to him in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, talking about his birth. It says, the virgin will conceive a son, a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. Not God distant from us, not God separate from us, not God apart from us, but God with us. So what makes us think that we're exempt from being with other people? genuinely being with other people. Well, Michael, I've tried a connect group. I just don't like them. They're not any fun. Can I say that maybe you're the common denominator? How dare you? Or maybe you just haven't stuck out, stuck, stuck with it long enough. Maybe that's the real reason. You go once, you're like, oh, that was weird. Can I tell you, as a member, of, as a staff member of Foundations Church, we've been here for about two and a half years, something like that, and We've been leading our connect group about that long. You wanna know how we ended up, how we stepped into this leadership role? Like just a bold, I am such a leader, I'm stepping into this leadership role. We said, hey, what is, what is a young couple? And they said, you guys are. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, um, fantastic. And I said, well, let me talk to Aubrey and see if we would consider leading this. And two days later, they said, hey, we got you guys leading that group, right? I was like, well, that's our leadership. We stepped right into that because someone threw us into that. And for the first semester, it was awkward. It was weird. For the first semester, I was like, hey, do we have connect group tonight? And Aubrey would say yes. I'd be like, no, I don't want to have connect group tonight. Can I call in sick? She's like, no, you're an adult and you're leading this thing. People are coming over to our house. You can't call in sick. And it was weird. But the more we stuck it out, the more work that we put in, man, the more valuable those relationships became. And now, connect group is one of my favorite things that I look forward to. I love it when people come over to our house. Uh, it also gives us a reason to clean our house. So consider leading the connect group if you want to clean house. But, um, but I love it. I love the people in our connect group. And I'm a little biased, but we have one of the best connect groups in the church. Am I what? Ooh, yep, there they are. Um, I paid them to do that, it's all right. Um, 
At the end of last semester, we had four or five different couples in our group needing prayer for a job. They were like, hey, we're going through something. We need to make a change. We're, we're looking for a new job. And as a connect group, we shared each other's burdens. We lifted them up in prayer. We, we encouraged them when they were getting discouraged. And by the time we met back up for the summer connect groups, like after the crazy of the summer, the time we met back up um, after the summer, God had answered each and every one of those prayer requests. Each and every one, I know. Yeah, that's awesome. A spattering of applause for answered prayers, amen. Uh, but I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Because I, I, if, if it were me, and I've been in this position where I jumped the gun, where I needed God to do something, and I didn't really pray about it, and I just kind of got scared, I got in my emotions, I let emotions kick my head out of the driver's seat, I, and I jumped the gun on a job, let me tell you, it didn't work out real well for me. But I believe because we and they were in community, and they were asking us to share their burdens and pray for them, that they were able to stay grounded in the joy of the Lord, that it was their strength for in those moments when they were like, I can't do this job anymore. I can't do it. The strength of God said, just wait. Just wait, I've got this. Man, that only happens in genuine community. We need to get off the island, stop isolating ourselves, and get plugged in. Go check out a connect group. Stick with it for a while. Open yourselves up. Be willing to interact with people. Man, we are not exempt from this. If we're gonna get involved, then we have to get off the island. And if we're gonna get involved, the last thing is we've gotta get off the couch. Gotta get off the couch. How many of you guys love your couch? Anyone? How many of you guys have one of those weird decorative couches that no one sits on? Anyone? It's okay, you can raise your hand. It's all right, no big deal. Man, I love my couch. Yesterday morning, we got up, we decorated our house for Christmas, and first of all, can I just say, Thanksgiving needs to have its time, all right? Can Thanksgiving have its time? I know we're past that, but for those of you that were posting pictures of you in your Christmas sweaters and pajamas and your trees up November 4th, we're praying for you. Man, that you just have, you can just wait, it's okay. It's like Thanksgiving, have its time. Thanksgiving is easy, there's no decorations. You come and you hang out and you eat, let it have its time. No need to, no need to jump the gun, all right? Um, you don't see me lighting fireworks off like on, on Easter, right? No, we let Easter have its time, then we celebrate 4th of July, okay? Celebrate the holidays. Anyway, um, that was a complete tangent. But um, we put up our Christmas decorations yesterday. And we, we, uh, I put on my Christmas onesie, my pajamas, am I right, Aubrey? I wore that literally all day. And I sat on the couch, and we had breakfast, and I watched football, and I fell asleep on the couch. I love my couch. It was comfortable. I didn't buy my couch for aesthetics. Look, I bought it for functionality. Does anyone here have a spot on their couch, like their spot? I call it the dad spot. It's like perfectly lined up with the TV. You got the little coffee table there, end table. You put the remote on, put your phone on. It's like the perfect space where you can turn. You can make sure everything's going on. You can see the kitchen, make sure the food's ready and the kids aren't killing each other over there. Like everything's good. My dad did. He had a spot. I knew where it was. When he wasn't in it, I was like, this is my spot. And he'd come in the room back. This is my dad's spot. Let me just get out of there because I know. <laughs> so I knew. I knew it was like, hey, get out of my spot or get the belt. I'm like, I'll get out of your spot. All right, I know, I know how this works. I know how this game works. Um, we love being on the couch. It's comfortable. If we didn't love being on the couch, if it wasn't comfortable, the furniture industry would not be worth over, I think it, in 2015, it was valued at $106 billion with a B. It's a lot of money to be sitting on the couch. Some of you got it. Like you said on the furniture, couch joke. It's a furniture joke. You guys don't hear those every day. It's okay. We'll insert a laugh track so the people online think it's funny. Um, but no matter how comfortable it is, I think we all know and can agree that being lazy and having a sedentary lifestyle is not healthy. 
Like whether we practice that or not is one thing, but we all know it, right? We know that just sitting there and watching TV and popping pork rinds is not good for us. No matter how much we'd be like, it's protein, it's part of a pork, it's fried, it's not good for us. Don't justify it. But being lazy, being sedentary is not healthy. Dr. Richard Weiler, Wheeler, he's not here, he doesn't care I pronounced his last name, um, said this. He said, sedentary living is the most prevalent disease, biggest silent killer, and greatest health threat facing developed countries. Biggest silent killer, biggest health threat facing developed countries is laziness. No, this is not like, hey, we all need to go run a marathon, but this is talking about if we are gonna be grounded in the strength and the joy of the Lord, why do we think that, that being lazy spiritually is okay? If we know being lazy physically is not okay, why do we think being lazy spiritually, not getting off the couch and getting involved, is okay for our spiritual life? Paul talks in Romans about the body of Christ and how each and every one of us, no one is exempt from this, each and every one of us has something to offer the body of Christ and that we all need to be participating, actively participating in the gifts God has given us so that the body of Christ is healthy. And Jesus talks a little bit about this in Matthew chapter 25. He's telling a story of three guys and they've each been given various amounts of money to advance their master's kingdom. And um, the two guys that have, have been given a little bit more money um, they, they get a return. Their master's like, hey, great job. Here's some more money. Good job. You did, you did well with what I gave you. The third guy, Matthew chapter 25, verses 24 through 30 says this. It says, and the servant, the one, with the, the one with one bag of silver, came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Being lazy spiritually. And not getting off the couch is devastating to us spiritually, but it's not just devastating to us. It's devastating to the people that don't get to benefit from what you have to offer. And each and every one of us has something to offer. I look at my life and I'm like, I don't know what like, my talent is. And then I'll look at someone else's life who they'll sit down at a piano and can just play by ear. They can, like, this is all in one person because I've seen this person. They, they can sing, they're artistic, they're athletic, like they're, they're a great person. And I'm like, man, what do I have? I'm like I, can, like, I can catch food in my mouth really well. Like, if you throw it up in the air, like, I'm pretty good at that. Like, how do I use that? You know, but we all, no matter what, we think we all have something to offer. And when we don't, man, we're affecting the body of Christ. We're affecting the body of Christ. A couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, we did our, our students' giving. I think it's our third annual uh, Thanksgiving meal that we do for the students. We fed about 60 teenagers and about 15 adults. And it all happened because the adults were willing to put in the work. They were willing to cook, they were willing to serve, they were willing to clean up, make desserts. And it was awesome, we had a great time. We were able to provide Thanksgiving meal for some students that might not be able to, might be able to have one. And it was awesome, it was all because they were willing to work, they were willing to serve, they were willing to get off the couch. And those, those adults that come on a Wednesday night don't just come once a year, man. They're there putting in the work every Wednesday. Ministering to students so that those students their lives will be changed and they can know who Jesus is. 
I think a lot of times we can get in the rut, we can get in this funk, we can get in the blues, whatever you want to call it. Like, I got the blues. Honestly, we all sing a song. We can make it. It'd be awesome. B.B. King, watch out. But um, we can get in this rut if we're lazy because I think subconsciously we know that we're meant to live for something much more than, than just the day in and day out. We know we're supposed to, we're meant to be living for something bigger than ourselves. But we're not. And it's like we, we say we can't put our finger on it, we're not sure what's going on, but deep down, man, we've all been given something. That's just innate, waiting to be used, waiting to be, to, to be um, man, put into work so that Jesus' name could be made famous. Man, in volunteering, serving has health benefits as well. I read a survey that of people who volunteered, 94% says it improves their mood. Some of you guys need to just volunteer just for that. Um, 90, 96% says it enriches their sense of purpose in life. 78% says it lowers their stress levels. A journal of health and social behavior found that volunteering improves happiness, life satisfaction, self-esteem, physical health, and depression symptoms. Man, if we're gonna stay we're gonna find our strength in the joy of the Lord. We have to act like our Lord. We have to act like Jesus. We have to live a life that's constantly trying to be more and more like him each and every day. And in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus said this about himself. He said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, we can, if we could find like one example, one person in history who could have exempted himself from serving and could have been like, hey, I think I'm gonna get a mani-pedi today and have people feed me grapes. Like, I think that would be Jesus, right? Like the son of God, the one person who's like, we should be weighed on hand and foot. But no, he flipped the script and said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So again, why do we think that we don't have anything to offer? Like God wasn't like making people and was like, oh, that one got away from me. Mark down, subject 471, didn't get any gifts or talents, and we'll, we'll, we'll check that. When he get, comes into heaven, we'll know, sorry, dude, we forgot you um, as we were handing out the different gifts and talents and stories and stuff like that. No, each and every one of us has something to offer. Man, so how are you getting off the couch? How are you serving? Maybe it's here at Foundations Church, which is awesome. Can you imagine, does, do any parents in here have kids down in FC Kids? We have anyone down here, raise your hand. Yeah, there's a bunch of you. Can you imagine if there were no adults down there? They would string Sammy up from the ceilings and they would build pitchforks out of something. Like you would come to pick them up, they'd be like, this is our room now. Like, get out. I'm like, all right, have fun. Like, I'm never coming back. Like, it'd be terrifying. It'd be like Lord of the Flies in there, right? It'd be, it'd be insane. But not, we have people in every room down there that are serving because they love to do it, because they love what it does for the kids. They love that they get to express, or they get to uh, have an experience where they um, get to see Jesus on their level. But they also love that they get to serve you guys as well, that you get to come in here and know that your kids are taken care of. Man, we have people opening doors and greeting you in the parking lot. And our hope, we believe that save people serve people. And the reason we say that is because we hope that those serve people become save people. You saw the story, I don't, I'm not sure if you did, um, the story that we, that we showed last week with uh, Matt and Holly and Dustin and Tawny. I think you guys saw that. I, I saw on Facebook where it has like several hundred thousand views, like close to half a million views on Facebook, which is insane. It's crazy that people are getting to hear that story. It's awesome. But that's simply Matt and Holly using their gifts and what they feel called to do and serving. You're like, they're serving? Yeah, they're absolutely serving. 
And because they were serving, because they're out there, because they're not being lazy spiritually, man, Dustin and Tawny's life was changed. And not just their life, but their kid's life. And can I go as far as say that possibly generations, they're setting up a generational habit of people serving and going to church and making Jesus known because they're using their gifts. Man, and now I see Dustin and Tawny serving, greeting people, going to Alpha, getting involved in community. Man, if we're gonna stay grounded, if we're gonna stay covered, if we're gonna find our strength in the joy of the Lord, then we've gotta live like Jesus. We've gotta live a life that's constantly doing that, and we can't do that on an island by ourselves. We can't do that on the couch, being isolated, not giving away, not serving. We have got to get involved. We need involvement. Man, I'm wrapping up here, but I wanna look back at that verse in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10. He's telling a group of people that have, have witnessed their city be destroyed. He's telling a group of people that have seen like what they found their security in is in ruins, and it's being rebuilt. And I love how Nehemiah kind of changes their perspective. He changes their perspective because he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not these walls, because those walls were formidable. Those walls were their security. Those walls were their strength. And he said, those walls are no longer your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I love the way the Hebrew paints, the, the Hebrew phrasing paints the picture of this sentence, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and when I was reading it and looking into it, the way I understood is it phrases it like this. It says that the joy of the Lord keeps us protected within his fortress. The joy of the Lord keeps us protected within his fortress. And it hit me, man, that if God's joy is it, if that's a fortress that's protecting us, that's not something that leaves us. That's something that we leave. I can't, I can't pick up this building and move it, right? Like, there's no way. It's, it's ground. This building is here. And the joy of the Lord is, is a fortress that protects us. It's not moving. But what did I say earlier? I said that we can get on the emotion train and step out of that fortress, step out of that protection. When we see those storms coming our way, when we see those problems, whatever it may be, when we see that and we say, man, I can't do this anymore. I think I know a better way. I'm out. I don't like the way this is going. We step out of the joy of the Lord. The devil can't steal our joy, but we can put ourselves in a position to hand it over to him. Man, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but Jesus says that in this world, you will have problems. But he doesn't end there. He's not like, hey, good luck to you. Like, he doesn't end there. He says, in this world, you will have problems, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Don't worry, I've overcome the world. I think he's saying, hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's gonna be problems, there's gonna be issues, absolutely. You're gonna be in a funk, you're gonna be in a rut, you're gonna be depressed, absolutely, those things are gonna happen, but don't let those situations, don't let what happens to you dictate the way that you feel because your joy is rooted in something that's unshakable, that's unmovable. It's not dictated by circumstances or situations. Man, it's dictated by the ever-present strength and love of the creator of the universe. And can I give us that same charge that Nehemiah gave the Israelites? It's a different situation, obviously, but the circumstances are the same. Don't find your strength. Don't find your happiness in what's going on around you. Let your strength be the joy of the Lord. How do we do that? Get involved. Get involved. Get involved in a community of people that can point you back to Jesus. Get involved in a community of people that will lift you up when you're struggling. Get involved in a community of people that will encourage you when you're down. 
that will help you, that will support you, that will motivate you to do good works and serve. Get involved in serving. You have something to offer. You are meant to be lived, your, your life is meant to li be lived for so much bigger than just checking in and checking out and going on the couch. Man, get involved. Get involved. Man, I'm not sure what you're going through. I don't know what's happening. And I imagine there's a couple hundred, few hundred people in here. I imagine there's probably a lot of situations. A lot of things where you're in that midst of the storm, you're wondering what's going on, how it's gonna wrap up. Can I tell you, God has already written the story. He already sees how it's gonna end. That we don't need to try to run and hide and get away from that protection. That we just need to rest and find our strength in the joy of the Lord. Happiness is great, we all wanna be happy. Man, but the joy of the Lord is where we find our strength. The joy of the Lord is where we find our shelter. Man, if everyone would, just bow your head, close your eyes. I wanna ask you a simple question. Man, we've been talking about the joy of the Lord, and yeah, that's our strength. That's where we need to find, that's where we need to find our roots and not move from that position. And maybe there's people in here, maybe there's a one person in here, and say, Michael, you're talking about the joy of the Lord, but I don't even have a relationship with him. I've never, I've never experienced that forgiveness, that, that love to begin with. Can I give you an opportunity to make that decision today? Like I said, it doesn't magically make all your problems disappear, but it gives us a peace that passes understanding. When, when our human brain should be saying, how in the world are they making it? Our hearts know that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that's covering, in those, covering us in those moments. If that's you, if you say, Michael, I want that joy. I want that relationship with Jesus. On the count of three, will you raise your hand? One, two, three. Is there anyone in here today? Simply by raising your hand, we just acknowledge that that's what you want. need that relationship with Jesus. You need that joy of the Lord to be your strength. I want to pray with us. God, we come before you today. God, and we understand that life has its problems. God, and we're not saying that we should always just fake it until we make it and act like we're happy. God, we know that there's a season to mourn. God, there's a season to cry. God, there's a season to question. God, all, a season for everything. God, but I pray that in those seasons, God, that we don't lose sight of you. God, that we don't forget the truth of who you are. God, that our joy stays grounded in you. God, that our strength is found in your joy. God, a joy that's untouchable, a joy that's unmovable. God, so that we can praise in the midst of the storms, knowing that you're still in control, that you're still in charge. God, I pray as we go from here, God, that we would make sure that we're stuck and that we're plugged in to genuine community. God, that it's not good for us to be alone. God, I pray that we would use the gifts and talents that you've given us so that we can make an impact and we can make your name famous. God, we think individual lives and day to day, but you think generations ahead. God, let us realize the impact that we have. God, when we serve one, God, we could change a generation. God, be with us this week. God, keep us protected. God, but more importantly, 
Let us keep you in the center of all that we do. Leaning into you as close as we can. Being more and more like you every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.